I'd learn to remember. And I have a text this morning, you don't need to look it up, I just want you to repeat it with me. I'm going to give it to you as one sentence. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let's repeat it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know our memories, what a marvelous power that God has given to us as individuals. Your memory is independent of time and of space. You can bridge a continent, you can cross an ocean with your memory. Let me illustrate for you this morning. Some years ago when Mrs. Nelson and I left to go to China as missionaries, I can see the Golden Gate as we left San Francisco and the boat went under that great span. And now we have arrived at Honolulu. And I remember walking out on a pier we had just a few hours. I don't know whether it's still there or not, but in those days at the end of the pier there was a spigot. And you could turn it on and you could drink all the fresh pineapple juice that you wanted to drink. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. And now I am in Kobe, Japan. We have crossed the ocean and I recall looking out at those thousand smokestacks from the great factories that had developed the war implements that Japan had used against us in that great war and that conflict. And now we are steaming up the harbor, the river, and going toward Shanghai. In fact, I can smell the city 30 miles away. And that's something that I believe you can still do today. And I remember as we were walking down the street one day in Shanghai, there was a chicken vendor who was coming up the street, calling out to sell his chickens. And there was a woman that wanted a stew. And so I saw her come out of her little cottage door and stop the man who was carrying the sack of dead chickens over his shoulder. I shall never forget in my memory as I saw that man dump that sack of chickens out into the dirty curb. And then I saw her with a stick poking around in the chickens. She was hunting for the chicken that had been dead the longest. And I noticed that she picked out the one that was filled with maggots. I better not say any more. It's too near dinner, isn't it? You forgive me. But you know, these things are in my memory. I have seen them. I was there. I could smell them. I, I have never forgotten the thing. You know, memory is something. Some of us here are getting a little old. But you can take a man that's 90 years of age. Can you see him as he hobbles down the path to the old swimming hole where he used to swim as a boy? And he stands there at that deep hole. And he sees that large rock that he used to climb up and then he would dive into the water. He can't do that anymore. His body will not permit it. But he can remember how he could outswim every other fellow in that water. Memory. 
It's a wonderful thing. Instantly it can refer us back to incidences of our childhood. Memory is also independent of death. Now think this through clearly with me this morning. You see, our brain, which is composed of, of some 30 billion cells, as near as they can estimate in the scientific world, and each one of these little cells has 25 conductors that are in touch with other cells, the whole system, if man could create it, would occupy one of the largest buildings in New York today. Even with the finite uh, way that man is able to work with computers, God is a great inventor. These marvelous minds of ours, and God created our minds to last forever. Amen. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, they would be alive today and God would have intended for them to live forever with that mind. What a mind that God has given us. We are just touching, we are just scratching the surface of the, the surface of our minds today. And something else God has done so that our minds will always be active. Our minds pass away every seven years. Not what in them, what's in them stays. But God has fixed a way so that in every seven years, every cell is completely replaced. But what is in the cell remains. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, the rich man that Jesus talked about, one day he died. He left all of his treasures. He left his purple his fine linen, he left his palace, he left all of his wealth, he left his five brothers, but he took with him his memory. Now, don't think for a moment that I don't believe that when we die, that we die, we are unconscious. But he took with, his with him his memory because we know that a thousand years hence from now, when he comes up outside the city of God in that second resurrection and wonders for a moment why he is not inside the city, suddenly he will remember all the things that he should have done and he didn't do. Memory. It's something to think about. Always we shall remember. I love to read in the spirit of prophecy how Sister White says that the saints throughout eternity, and that's a long time, isn't it? We'll go from one unfallen world to another and we will tell how Jesus saved us, how he redeemed us, and that takes a memory, doesn't it? So these memories are something. Now science, scientific men today have discovered what they believe is a great mystery, that every thought that our minds come across is there forever. That every word we speak, 
Every deed that we commit is held within our minds forever. And I have an illustration this morning from the scientific world that proves this. I want to take you to the Neurological Institute of Montreal, Canada. This is one of the great centers for the study of the brain, known throughout the world. And to this institution a few years ago, a 26-year-old school teacher came for help. She was in a pitiful shape. She had been a teacher in the New York system of schools, capable, reliant, one of the most outstanding teachers that they'd ever had. And now she was frightened. She was uncertain of herself. You see, about three years before, she woke up one night and she felt that something was coming up out of the corner of the room. And whatever this was that she saw, it sort of turned into a man and it scared the life out of her. And she was frightened. Well, she went back to sleep, but it came again and again. And then, to her amazement, while she was teaching in the classroom, she would suddenly feel a sensation that there was a man coming up out of the corner of the room. And she became so frightened before her children that she would become unconscious and go into convulsions. And of course, boys and girls, you know that a teacher that is unconscious can't teach school because you know what the children would do. And so she came for help. She was shaking, she was sick, and she talked to these doctors of the mind. And they listened to her problem and they said, did you ever have any experience in your life as a child that could be related to this? And they probed her mind for a while. And finally she said, well, when I was a little girl, eight years old, I was coming home from school. She lived in the state of Maine. And the school bus left her off and she had to go through a dark woods for about a half a mile to her home back in a little cove. And she said on this day she was walking along very happy when suddenly she realized something was wrong for a man rushed out of the bushes with evil intent and began to grab her and tear off her clothing. Somehow she was able to get away from him and he chased her and being small, she was able to run under the brush and the man could not follow and she got away. But she was terribly frightened. It made a tremendous impression upon her. The men said, we wonder if perhaps this is not the cause of what is happening to you day by day and now hour by hour. She said, do anything you can. Help us. And so these doctors took what they call is an N-cell halograph. It's about the size of an old man's pocket watch. And on it, it has a little dial, just like you see in your car, your gas dial. And by placing this any place on the top of your skull, it will show the pattern of the cells in their activity. You know that everything in our body works by electricity. And it measures the impulses 
and they put it every place and the needle stood where it should be at normal but when they put it over the right ear in this part right here the needle went all the way over like this and it went back and forth showing that there was great amount of electricity far more than ought to be in the natural part of the skull usually this tells a doctor that there is a brain tumor and so they ordered some x-rays but when they looked at the x-rays there was no tumor and so they called her in and they said there's only one thing we can do and that is to operate we've got to find out what is causing this in that part of your brain there must be some kind of pressure there now the doctors were going to be playing detectives they were going to try to find a hidden criminal within her brain and this was something very serious to do all they knew was the general location now the brain feels no has no feeling whatsoever if your brain is opened up and you could stick a pin through the brain anywhere and you would never have any conscious feeling of it so our brains are thus constructed and so these doctors they gave her an anesthetic just around the skull here where they were going to open up because they had to keep her alive you see when you have a, a, a operation for gallbladder or something they usually the anesthesiologist put you to sleep and you don't know what's happening but they had to have her in contact so they could talk with her in her mind they were trying to discover something so she must be absolutely alert so all they did was deaden the part of the skull and then they took that little buzz saw if I can call it that and they just like this and they just cut a circle out and they flipped it open and there was the brain and now they took a little instrument I'll use this pen as a sample here it has a little fine point on the end and inside it has a little battery and this little uh, machine as you might call it here has the same current of this battery that the brain operates on and so as they were looking into the center of her her cortex her gray matter the doctors with a great magnifying glass that made thousands of times larger the cells of the brain they began to probe the brain to find out if this brain was a natural brain you know sometimes people's brains are reversed we have the right hand and the left hand and so forth uh, and so they checked and they brought that down on a little tiny cell and immediately she did her arm went up like this on the operating table they said what did you put your arm up for well she says I didn't want to I, I didn't intend to but she said it's something you did the doctors removed the little electrical current and the brain the hand went down they touched it again and up it went you see they were dealing with that part of the brain that gives the directions to the muscles now some of you I see are quite interesting and you wonder if what I'm telling you is correct I have checked these this illustration with a number of doctors and I am correct in what I am giving you this morning this electrode was then put back in another spot of the brain and she says oh I hear sounds like a motorboat on a lake 
They were now touching that part of the brain that had to do with the hearing, what you hear. And then they reached back into the back part of the brain, and you know that's where you see. I know your eyes are up here. But the little nerve endings go back, and what you see is really in the back of your head. And as they touched this, oh, she said, I see shooting stars. She says, I, I see things. And they knew then that they were dealing with that part of the brain that had to do with the seeing, the eye. And then they were interested, of course, in the memories. And the memories are over the right ear. Here is where they are located. And so they brought this little machine, as I call it, the electrode down and touched one of those little tiny microscopic cells, and she says, oh, she said, it's funny, I'm just a little child again. I'm about six years old, I have done something wrong. Now, she never knew that this was in her brain. She'd forgotten it, had never thought of it for some 20 years. And she said, I've done something wrong and mother's going to come in and punish me. And she said, my brothers and sisters are all around me. Well, she says, they're just little children again. And of course, they were growing up now. These things were in her mind. There, although she didn't know that they were there, they were stored there. And then as they began to probe around and lift some of the uh, brain tissues the doctor noticed one little spot that looked a little red. It looked like it had a little jagged scar on it. And uh, he was very interested in this. And so he, he, he touched that with this electrode and instantly she became very, oh, she said, I'm scared. She said, that man, he's coming up. He, he, he's going to get me, help me. And they were afraid that if they continued, that she would go into convulsions on the operating table. But they talked to her for a moment. They said, is this what happens every time when this happens in the classroom or at night when you're in bed? Oh, yes, yeah, she said, please help me and save me. And so with special instruments, the doctors went down there and they took out that one little tiny microscopic cell and removed it from the brain. And they said, what about this man? She said, what man? Well, this man that comes up out of the corner of the room that, that you feel is going to do something. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. It was removed. And so they just put the cranium back and sewed it up. In two weeks, she was back in the city of New York teaching well and never had another one of these cases. This can be like an angel of mercy to some people, but if wrong, wrongly used, it can be, come like a devil. Now our scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want to talk very frankly with you this morning. All of us want to get to the kingdom. We want to see Jesus come, but are we ready to go home with him? I want to ask you, what are you putting into your minds? You know, I used to think that, I shouldn't say it that way, I guess, 
because we are told in the spirit of prophecy that an angel takes a record of everything. But God doesn't need a record in that sense. This little boy here, would you come up here a minute? Yes, please, just come up here. I won't ask you to do anything. I just want you to stand here. Just stand around, turn here. Do you wonder what's in this head? You know, all that the Lord has to do, he doesn't have to take and cut it off and look in. He can see any time. Thou, God, dost what? Seest me. And what does he see in here? Does he see the word of God which he memorizes from his mother's knee? Or do, and I don't know anything about you, so don't mind what I'm going to say. Or is this mind filled with things like murder, like incest, like drugs, the things that you see on television? You know, the Bible says, only the pure in heart shall what? Thank you so much. What are you folks putting into your brains day by day? You know, I live over in Myrtle Creek in the largest store over there. I think must have at least 2,000 video uh, cassettes for rent. And I see people coming in there Friday afternoon, and I see them going out with six or seven or eight of these shows. And you know what they are? Shooting, killing, rape, lying, stealing, incest, profanity, immorality, murder. Are any of you tempted to look at these things? Are you reading some of these trashy novels? I want to see you in heaven. But I want to tell you, only the pure in heart shall see God. We're, we're dealing today with our minds. As a man thinketh, in his heart, so is he. You know, that's why Jesus Christ told us to remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? Because as you do this, as you come to church, I saw the river this morning. I saw the trees, the birds. I saw the things that God had created, the trees and all of these wonderful things. When we keep the Sabbath in the right frame of mind, we are remembering our Creator, aren't we? And you remember he told us in Deuteronomy 16, 12, Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondsman in Egypt. God wants us to remember those old stories of how with Moses he delivered them and he destroyed Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. Those are the things that we ought to be putting into our minds. And it says, you know, in Luke twenty-two nineteen, this do in remembrance of me. And so every quarter we have the Lord's Supper and we pass the cup and we break the bread. Why? We are remembering what Jesus Christ did for us, how he died for us on Calvary. 
how he poured out his precious blood that you and I might live. These are the things that should be in our memories instead of the trash of this world. But now you say, well, Brother Nelson, why did God say to remember if we never forget, as the scientist has proven that everything we do is in our minds? Scientifically, this is true, but practically we forget everything. You know, we forget our engagements. We forget to pay our bills. Some people forget their marriage vows. Some children forget their lessons. Some of us forget our friends. And there are those that even forget God. It's not erased. We just don't know where it is. We have lost it. Like the little boy that was in school and they were studying all about space, about the men going out there, out in space, and we see this on television today and we hear it and so forth. And finally, uh, the teacher looked at him and said, now I want you to come up here and define space. And he stood there with a blank look. Well, he says, I have it in my head, but I can't find it. He had lost it. You know, that reminds me of the preacher who was asked to go and conduct a funeral for an occult type of people. And he used this opportunity because he could, in his service, he could tell what God had to say about death. And he could talk about the Savior. And so he went out with these occults and they were way up there on the hills uh, uh, out of uh, Fresno, California. And uh, he conducted the funeral and they had one strange request. They said, now, in our teaching and our feeling, you are not to leave until the grave is covered up and everyone is gone and then you can leave. And so the preacher watched as the grave was covered up watched as everybody went off in their cars and everybody had been gone and out of sight and then he went to his car and by this time it was towards evening. And he went to get in the car and then suddenly he looked and he saw that he had a flat tire. Here he was alone about five miles from any help. But that didn't make any difference because he always had a spare in the trunk. And so he went around to the back and he reached into his uh, key ring and he looked for the key but he didn't have the key to the trunk. He searched his pockets, he knew he had that key to a little corner store where a couple of roads came together and he got a man to come out who was a mechanic and had a jack and had a uh, the means to repair the tire and uh, he fixed the tire and then when the man was ready to leave why he reached into his billfold to get the money to pay him and suddenly he remembered that his wife had given him a new pocketbook and it had a secret compartment in here and inside here was a place where the key was. You see he had the key all the time but he couldn't remember where he had placed it and if you think that's some fantastic type of story let me tell you that happened to me. <laughs> To forget is to lose. And that's why God says, remember. 
You know, sometimes men forget by the sheer force of the will, and the Bible has the answer. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He doesn't want to worship God because he has to obey God. And so if he can put God out of his mind, then he can do as he wishes without having any troubling thought. But memory is a wonderful thing. One of the things, it brings us to gratitude for God. Psalms 103, to bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, that rich man I talked about at the beginning, God gave him the power to get that wealth, but he forgot that. He forgot that it was God that kept that heart beating within him, gave him the life. He forgot that it was God that sent the sunshine and the rain that caused the wheat to grow, that filled his barns, that gave him the money and the wealth that he had. He forgot that it was the loyalty of his men who made the harvest possible. If he had remembered, his conceit would have turned to humility. You know, we need to remember often what God has done and his blessings. That's why we bow our heads before we eat and we thank God. Psalms 103, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. Look at the food that God has been able to give to you. Look at the clothing that you have, the home that you live in the health that he gives to you, the strength that he has. And don't forget Calvary, what it will do for you and has done for you. Memory. And you know, memory, our minds ought to remember how God has answered prayer. Don't tell me you've never had an answered prayer in your life. If you will think, you will see how God has many times answered your prayer. And there comes to my mind several this morning. I had a father who believed in Christian education. I was just in the first grade and I r rode the red streetcars in Los Angeles 15 miles every day across that city to a church school and I'm glad that he did. But he knew the dangers and every day before I would leave he would pray and ask God's angels to take care of me and to keep me from accident and from harm. And I remember one day, I wanted to be like the big men. You know, you don't have streetcars around here, but as he would sometimes come to the stop of screeching, stopped in the streets of the city, these men would climb down and hold on to the bars and get on the last round to stand on. And then just before it stopped, why they would take off with a run. And I wanted to do that. Now my father told me not to, the dangers, but you know youth. And so I did the same thing and when it just about had stopped why I took off and just as I hit the, the ground I hadn't looked behind and a car ran right over my toes. I wouldn't be here today if an angel hadn't pushed me back. My father's prayers were answered. I remember when I was 14 years of age, 
You can't do that anymore in California, and I don't suppose you can here, but I had a driver's license. And I drove five children to school, 20 miles, picked them up. And of course, I was an excellent driver. I was a better driver than my father. I was quicker. I could think faster. I could move quicker. But I didn't have the judgment. And I remember that morning, Father had prayed earnestly. I can still see him on his knees praying that God would help take care of me. And I was driving along in the fog faster than I ought to go and I came to an intersection. And suddenly the wheel was taken out of my hands. I fought with it. I went straight over and climbed over the curb and went right down by the store building between the store building and a telephone pole and just missed both of them. And when I got to the corner, there just in front of me passed a great truck and trailer filled with gasoline. If I had continued, I wouldn't be here this morning, neither would the five children. And then that wheel turned and put me right back into the road again as I crossed the intersection and I could again have control. I know that God answers prayers. I like to think of these things. These are the things that do something for you within your heart, in your memory. I remember when I was in Fletcher holding a week of prayer in North Carolina at a little school we had there. And they had a little hospital in connection with the school and the, the doctors had operated on this woman. And if they made the incision in her abdomen, they just sewed her up because she was absolutely filled full of cancer. I know because I talked to the doctor. She had two little children. She didn't want to leave them alone, two little girls. The doctor gave her about five days to live. And so she asked for an anointing. Three of us ministers gathered around her bedside and prayed. I had to leave the next day because my appointments had come and I left and I knew nothing more about this lady until a, at a camp meeting some three years later I saw her on the platform and she was testifying and told how God had saved her life and told how she had recently had another operation because of some female problem and the doctor, the same doctor had operated, and this time there wasn't a trace of cancer. I want to tell you, our God can answer prayer. These are the things that we should be holding in our memories. I recall that morning when I was at a camp meeting in Carolina, and I had to go over to Tennessee to speak for the next appointments. So I left early and as I left it was kind of foggy and damp and those children shouldn't have been out there if I'd have been a parent, but they were playing in a sand pile. You know how children like to play in the sand? Make tunnels in it, make roads for their cars. Three of them there. And I got out there and I put my suitcases in the car and I said, now little children, I want to see you stand right there. I don't want you to be around while I back up this car. 
So I got in the car, but I felt very uneasy. I just felt like something was wrong, and I started up the motor, and I looked in the mirror. Those three children were standing right there. And I, I finally released the brake, and I put it in gear to back up, and I heard a voice. It said, get out and look under the car. How many of you ever get out and look under the car when you drive off? Of course we don't. And it was so positive. I can still hear that voice. And so I put on the brake. I took it out of gear. I stepped out and I walked around the car. I didn't see anything. The three little children were still there. But those words were ringing in my ear, get out and look under the car. And so I got down and I looked under the car and then my heart stopped. For there was a little child with his head right against my rear wheel, playing in the sand under my car. If I had gone back just a couple of inches, I would have heard a crunching sound and never would have forgotten it. I think that day I thanked the Lord a thousand times. You have prayers. Remember them in your life. And remember that God forgives sin. In Psalms 103, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. What a God! Every day we ought to think about these things as we battle with sin. God forgives. You remember it says, though your sins be as what? As scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. Don't forget that God forgave David, who was a murderer. And don't forget that as he looked at the eyes of that poor woman caught in adultery, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, what a savior. I want to tell you, never let the devil come as our teacher referred to this morning, that we are such great sinners that God doesn't listen. God loves to forgive. And God will never leave you. Lo, he says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Oh, these are the texts, brothers and sisters, in these closing hours of the world's history that our memories should be built around, that we should be thinking about. Remember the three Hebrews and the fiery furnace? Jesus stood there in the midst with them. He got into the fire with them. You think you have troubles? The Lord Jesus will come to you in your troubles. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? My God hath shut the lion's mouth. What? He sent his angels. What a God we have. Joshua? Didn't have, it seemed, enough time in the day to fulfill what God had asked him to do. And he said, oh God, I need more sunshine. And God said, okay, command the sun. 
to stand still, and he did. You know, that must have been something that day for hours. The sun stood still in the heavens. The whole world, the pagan world, was amazed. What a God! Peter in prison. Can you see the angel coming there and unlocking the gates, letting him go free? I want to tell you, these are the things that we need. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Thank God. Wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost. I want to tell you, are you having problems in your life? Matrimonial problems? Lost your job? Some great thing has happened in there? Just remember, one day Jesus hung on the cross. What gave him the power? What gave him the stanima? What gave him the resistance to the devil to do what he did for you and me? His memory of his Father. That's what kept our Lord on the cross. And if you want victory today, keep your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he did for you on the cross. No, never alone, the poet says. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me. Never to leave me alone. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. And beloved, remember God's mercy. In Revelations 2, 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. Have you been slipping? Does God seem as real today as he did that first time when you were baptized and you were converted? Have you had the experience of the prodigal? Think of that prodigal for a moment. You know, it says, when he came to himself. That should have been written, when he remembered. What did he remember? He saw his mother standing at the door that day when he left. Oh, he was a man now, and he was going to go out and spend the money that his parents had. But he remembered the mother when she said, son, remember we always love you. And then his mind went to that father. He could see that father there with tears in his eyes as he walked away, determined to live it up and to have a good time in hell. And he remembered that the father had said, son, remember the door is always open. And he came to himself. There he was in that pig pen. He was sick. He was emaciated. He was so hungry that he was reaching down among the things of the hogs and picking out a few of the kernels that were undigested and eating them. That fellow was in a pitiful shape. He was going to die. And he thought of the wonderful pies that his mother made at home. And he saw that clean bed with all of its sheets. And he saw the father standing at the door and saying, Son, the door is always open. And I want to tell you, memory aroused him. And he went home. 
But the gracious part about it was it was more than he expected. The father ran to meet him, put his arms around him. Oh, beloved, don't let the things of this world keep you from coming to God. You've got a Savior that when you take one step, he runs to you. He wants you to be saved. He wants to forgive you. Memory is wonderful that brings you home to God. But brothers and sisters, memory can also be a great preventative when you remember what happened to others in sin. And it will keep you from going into the far country. Remember, God saved Noah but he destroyed all of the disobedient in the days of the flood. Remember, he saved Joseph because he would not take part in the immoral acts of the day. But he destroyed Pharaoh and all of his army. Remember, God forgave David of the sin of, of murder, but he allowed Saul to be killed. Remember, God stood fast with Daniel and those wicked men who had forced the king to put him within. Their bones were crushed before they even touched the bottom as they were thrown in. Remember, John the Baptist will be in heaven, but Herod will burn in hell. Remember, God loves to save the sinner who repents, but he will destroy all who are unrepentant. Remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God keep you from the evils today. They're on the billboards. They're in the music that you hear floating through the air everywhere. They're in everything you look at. They're on television, and I'm not condemning you for television. I have one myself. I feel I need to keep up with the news of what's happening that I will be able to preach a message of a soon coming Savior. I need to know what's happening in the world. But I want to tell you I have never gone down with Mrs. Nelson, never have we shown one of those God forsaken, what do we call them, videos today. They're not a part of our home. And you will not find any books of storybooks in my home that lead you from God, that glorify sin. Let us remember, if we have children, let's guard them, let's set up what they should read and what they should look at, and ourselves remember, as our brother said, whose son are you? Let us be a child of God and get ready for a soon coming kingdom.